Tanisan's lunch disagrees with her. When your average citizen starts to look as though he'd be more at home in a tank than on dry land, it is difficult to avoid the conclusion that modern man has developed an unhealthy relationship with food. Yet as far as I know, Tanisan is the only one who has ever had an actual argument with it. An argument so heated that it led to criminal damage and a breach of the peace, thus lending a whole new meaning to the term eating disorder. The incident occurred on a rainy day in June when she was out shopping in that nerve-jangling consumer hellhole known as downtown Ikebukuro. She'd spent the better part of the morning looking for a new smock, very much like the old smock, but with slightly different frills. However, as lunchtime approached, she started to feel rather peckish. On top of that, it had started to rain, so to kill two birds with one stone, she darted into a restaurant called Shinkaien, which claimed to serve the freshest seafood in Tokyo. It was one of those traditional Japanese eating places, quietly tucked away on the ground floor of a five-storey building, otherwise dedicated to arcade games, after-school tuition and soft porn. Private booths with sliding doors were connected by an L-shaped corridor along which kimono-clad waitresses wafted to the strains of koto music. It was, in short, a haven of serenity amid the clamour and confusion of everyday life. Tanisan took off her shoes and was shown to an empty booth, whereupon she was handed a menu by the mousy waitress. When she was ready to order, she pressed a bell and the waitress reappeared. She decided on a selection of their highly recommended seafood dishes. Sunomono, a tasty mixture of sweet vinegar, cucumber and octopus. Sashimi and nizakana, a.k.a. boiled fish. In a very short space of time, these were delivered to her table. And so Tanisan, who by now was very hungry indeed, licked her lips, separated her chopsticks and made a beeline for the sliced cucumber. But then something stopped her from actually getting to it. It was as if an invisible force field had come down between her and her food. She pressed down on her chopstick hand in an effort to break through, but the force acting in the opposite direction compensated accordingly, so she began to shake. Oh no, you don't, came a thin voice from nowhere. Drop those chopsticks and step away from the condiments. You're not eating me. Oh, yes, I am, said Tanisan, as if talking to her salad was the most natural thing in the world. Get ready, she said. I'm going to eat you up. So then the other speaker threw off its cucumber camouflage to reveal its true form. The first Tanisan saw of it was a tentacle with two rows of suckers firmly wrapped around her chopstick hand. The conspicuously undercooked octopus at the other end glared at her angrily and flushed an inky black. So then Tanisan tried to unpeel the offending limb, which came away with a popping sound, like bubble wrap. A head-on confrontation with the principal ingredient of her lunch was not what she'd come to expect from the dining-out experience. However, such was her appetite at the time that she's willing to overlook it. Besides, she'd always had a difficult relationship with invertebrates dating all the way back to a childhood confrontation with a quarrelsome crab. So grabbing the offending tentacle with her free hand, she bit the end clean off. All the same, it continued to wriggle about, even as she munched on it triumphantly. Ah! went the outraged cephalopod, 
which was only temporarily disarmed. That stung. I'll get you for that. So saying, it launched itself at her face like the creature from Alien, and for one horrifying moment, Tanisan was completely smothered. She beat on its mantle with the sides of her fists, yet even that failed to deter it. Fortunately, she then had the presence of mind to poke her fingers into its gills, as a result of which the animal had difficulty breathing and tried to pull away. And with that, the overall dynamic was suddenly reversed. Instead of Tanisan trying to repel the creature, she was now trying to stuff the whole thing into her mouth, while her blue-blooded adversary did its best to resist her. With four of its eight tentacles latched onto her teeth, holding her jaws apart, the others felt around her face and head until they found purchase in her ears, nose and hair. Then pushing forward, it slipped through her fingers like an oiled haggis and shot across the table to the other side of the booth. At the same time, it let fly with a jet of ink that caught her square in the face. She barely had chance to wipe the muck out of her eyes before her lunch began to hurl at her, anything it could lay its tentacles on. So Tanisan ducked down and returned fire with whatever tableware came to hand. The thumping and banging and crashing going on inside the booth was starting to bother the other customers, even though the koto music had been turned up a notch. So in the end, the waitress who dealt with Tanisan's order went over and knocked gingerly on the screen. Hello, madam? she inquired timidly. Is everything all right in there? When all that came back was a series of loud thuds, she opened the door slightly and a side plate went whistling past her head, so she immediately shut it again. It's all gone wrong in booth three, she said. I think we'd better call someone. But then the compartment fell abruptly silent. Tanisan's abnormally active seafood dish had run out of things to throw at her and had gone into hiding. Determined to flush it out, Tanisan jammed the screen shut with her shopping bag and jumped up onto the table, armed with a chopstick in each hand. She could still hear the wretched thing as it went skittering about among the wreckage, trying to wear her down via the medium of satire. Am I here or am I there? it taunted as it dodged about, forever changing colour and texture. Oh no, you'd better watch out. I'm somewhere else altogether. Moments later there was a shriek and it dropped down onto her from above. And so twice in one day, which was virtually unheard of, Tanisan found herself inundated by a mass of tentacles and suckers, to say nothing of the snapping beak which came at her from all angles. Every time she tried to detach one leg, another would latch on somewhere else, until finally she managed to scoop up sufficient handfuls of the squidgy nuisance to hurl it at the wall. The belligerent mollusk hit it with a squelch and slithered down, slightly stunned. As for Tanizan, she fell back against the wooden bench, red-faced and with her hair sticking out in all directions. For some time, the hungry diner and her uncooperative lunch just sat there glowering at each other while they caught their breath. Her lunch was the first to speak. It, it's futile carrying on like this when I hold all the cards, it said, rubbing its bruised siphon. But if you open that door and let me go, I'll try to forget that you ate my leg, and there aren't many who would say that. Tanisan sat up straight and wriggled about a bit. Then she reached under her collar and withdrew a piece of poached snapper that had become entangled in her undergarments. Excuse me if I seem a little dense, she said, but how does being lightly boiled and served in a seasoned vinegar dressing constitute the strategic high ground? You seem to forget that I'm the one holding the chopsticks. The mollusk gave a disparaging grunt 
and proceeded to untangle its tangled tentacles. Yes, well, who is on whose plate is of no importance, it said, and neither are the sources. Is that from Hamlet? asked Tanisan, in a genuine spirit of inquiry. No, said the devilfish, it's from me. It's called eloquence. What I'm saying is that there's more at stake here than the niceties of the food chain. This met with a scornful look from Tanisan. Huh, she said, tell the crabs that. On having this inconsistency pointed out to it, the little octopus squirmed uncomfortably, which was unusual in an animal for which squirming was a forte. The crabs have got nothing to do with it, it said. My modest and quite natural predilection for crustaceans is one thing, whereas you eating me will get you nowhere. It will get me full, said Tanisan, both truthfully and ungrammatically. Even so, I would advise against it, replied her main course. For one thing, I will make it my mission to give you the worst case of diarrhoea you've ever known. You'll spend so much time on the toilet that you'll end up with a permanent ring around your bottom, thus lending it a startling resemblance to the power icon on an electrical appliance. Besides, there's more to be gained by having me as an ally. After all, a person like you is going to need as many friends as she can get in the animal kingdom. This curious statement piqued Tanisan's interest. Oh, and why is that? she asked as she straightened her leggings. Because we've all had enough of you hairless monkeys with your flashy brains, contrary bipedalism and overrated thumbs. Your so-called preeminence on this planet has led to misery for many other species. The elephant, for example, hunted to the brink of extinction for the sake of a few trinkets. Tanisan shrugged. I would have thought that was quite a good way of using up the elephants, she said. They weren't doing anything. This remark, which was calculated to provoke so enraged the young cephalopod that it turned quite dark and pointed an accusing tentacle at her. You see, it said, that's typical of you humans. Just because you wear Fitbits and go to meetings, you think you're the cat's pyjamas. Well, we are, said Tanisan, as if it was the most obvious thing in the world. Of course we are. You only have to look around to see that. We have quantum cryptography and 5G and energy weapons. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't tend to see that many owls or mice wandering about with energy weapons. If they did, our regional woodlands would be much more exciting. Yes, said the mollusk. Well, of course, energy weapons are all very well for those that go in for that sort of thing. But can they do this? With that, it promptly disappeared, which it did by mimicking the pattern and texture of the table beneath it. When it came back again, it had raised its seven and a half tentacles high above its head, like some boneless ballerina. On top of that, it had a very smug look on its face, annoyingly smug in Tanisan's opinion. Ta-da! It went. Neat trick, admitted Tanisan, although blending in with the fixtures and fittings is not going to get you very far, not unless you happen to be an employee of the Tokyo subway system. Besides, it's taken you 600 million years to evolve those defences, and they still didn't stop you from ending up on my dinner plate. Why is that, I wonder? Could it be that we humans are just so much smarter than you and can see through your stratagems with our giant brains, which are the fatty equivalent of six cooking apples? Yes, but you've only got the one brain, whereas I have nine, boasted Tanisan's lunch, and each of my limbs operates independently. So do mine whenever I drink sake, said Tanisan. There's nothing special about that. And anyway, if you're so clever, why isn't it you and the cuttlefish running Wall Street? That's what you squidgies conveniently choose to forget. 
It took us humans millions of years to evolve to this level of sophistication, yet at no point during the proceedings did you or any of the other animals look up from your dinners and say, hold on a second, what's going on here? What's all this business with these hairy hominids and their pointed stones? Why are they cultivating wheat and building ziggurats? Perhaps we ought to nip it in the bud. But oh no, you are far too busy regurgitating fish and sniffing each other's bottoms. Well, it's too late now. That time has come and gone. Tanisan was only saying this to keep the octopus from knowing what she was really up to. Slowly, she was reaching for her chopsticks and getting ready to pounce, now quite beside herself with hunger. What she didn't realise, of course, was that her lunch was attempting a very similar deception. That is where we disagree, it said, sending out a number of sneaky tentacles to her personal belongings. We animals are faster and stronger and tougher than you, and if we work together, we can achieve anything. Well, I wouldn't hold my breath if I were you, said Tanisan. You've been eating each other since time immemorial, and I think you may find that it's a little too late to apologise. With that, she suddenly lunged across the room, chopsticks raised, but her meal was ready and waiting for her. Leaping up onto the table, it held out two of its tentacles. One was wrapped around her fold-away umbrella. The other was curled around her pink smartphone. Stay where you are, it barked, brandishing the brolly. One false move and the iPhone gets it. Contrary to all expectations, Tanisan merely shrugged. I don't care, she said. Do your worst. I've never liked the blasted thing anyway. It never does what I want and keeps trying to enrol me on anger management courses for some reason. Suddenly finding itself on the back foot, the cornered mollusk dropped the smartphone and raised a third tentacle, from which dangled a brand new pair of Dr. Richie Bangus's rechargeable kneecap warmers. But again, Tanisan seemed unconcerned. Fine by me, she said, but my mother might have a thing or two to say about it. So then the orthopaedic supports were abandoned for a bag of buns that Tanisan had purchased from the food hall in the Tobu department store. Now this elicited a very different reaction. There was an audible gasp from Tanisan as she took a step back and dropped the chopsticks. Take your stinking tentacles off my buns, you damn dirty octopus, she was tempted to say. But she bit her tongue when she saw that it was just about to splatify her confectionery. OK, OK, she said finding yourself in the weaker position for once. Don't do anything foolish. Look, I'm opening the door. So saying, she removed the shopping bag that had been blocking the entrance and backed off. The octopus edged around the table and oozed out into the hallway, the umbrella still poised over the puff pastry. This made for an extraordinary spectacle, and so various patrons and members of the kitchen staff came out into the corridor to get a better look. However, Tanisan urged them all to hang back, as she didn't want to jeopardise the safe return of her precious sweetmeats. Yet her own frustration at not being able to do anything about it was finally too much for her. So she took it out on one of the other customers, an unfortunate little man whose only crime was that he happened to be standing next to her at the time. Grabbing his nose, she gave it a couple of sharp tweaks so that his glasses flew off and landed in a tank of horse mackerel. Ah! Ah! went the little man. In the meantime, the wily cephalopod continued to back out of the restaurant, keeping everyone at bay with dairy products, until it reached a storm drain, whereupon it threw down the bag of buns and slithered away. A middle-aged couple who were stood outside debating whether to go in or not 
saw all this and couldn't help reflecting on Shinkayan's reputation for serving the freshest seafood in Tokyo, which, given the scene they just witnessed, was beyond all doubt. Well, there's fresh and there's fresh, said the woman, utterly appalled. I vote we try that new shabu-shabu place in Shibuya.